everyone. I'm Heather Cabot, and you're listening to The New Chardonnay. It's my new podcast highlighting stories of vision, grit, resilience, great risk, and reward. I've spent my career as a reporter chasing the stories of people who have an idea, a passion, or a problem they want to solve, who somehow find it within themselves to dig deep and take a leap of faith to just go for it. It takes courage. It takes tenacity. It takes discipline. And perhaps most of all, it takes patience along with perseverance. These are the stories that I've told as a TV reporter and in the books I've worked on in recent years, from underrepresented software engineers and tech startup founders fighting for a seat in Silicon Valley, to the new guard of entrepreneurs in the world of legal cannabis. These are people who all took the dare and dove into the unknown, even when they were told they were unsuited or unqualified, crazy, or that they would flat out fail. Why'd they do it? What compelled them to put it all on the line? And what did they risk to create the new Chardonnay? This week, as the COVID-19 pandemic expands, we meet someone who suddenly found herself at the 11th hour fighting to keep her business open in the wake of the crisis and a sudden shelter-in-place directive by local authorities. It started in San Francisco on March 16th, when the city became the first in the nation to announce a lockdown. And we know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly. Initially, cannabis was not included as an essential service, and there was a massive outcry and concern from our customer base and people in the industry um, that cannabis wasn't going to be accessible to them during such an intense time. And there are people, many people, with very real medical needs. And a lot of these people also aren't able to stuff up. They could be on disability and living check to check, and they need ongoing access. Andrea Brooks is the founder and CEO of an e-commerce marketplace and delivery cannabis company called Sava. It serves the Bay Area, and she's been in business since 2015. I remember, and I've been talking to you now for a few years, and I remember one of the first conversations that we had, you said to me that to be an entrepreneur in cannabis, you also have to be an activist. Immediately after the announcement, my phone lit up getting calls, getting texts, my email blew up, just widespread concern um, that could easily spill over into panic. And I was scared, you know, I was scared. Uh, Our customers and patients were scared. I sprung into action. I reached out to colleagues of mine. We have an exceptionally collaborative community here in San Francisco. Um, Got in touch with Americans for Safe Access and A petition came together and then a bunch of retailers and companies signed on. So we were the one of the early um, signees of this petition. Brick and Mortar signed on as well. And it was great to just see everyone just come together to be there for the community and making sure that access was happening. But it was um, a long night of staying up all Monday night and talking with people and drafting letters and getting everything together. And it was a really intense, you know, 24-hour period. It feels longer looking back, but it really was around that time. But uh, again, a lot of collaboration, partnership, reaching out, let's work together, and then mobilizing 
um, both businesses, but also the public to be emailing their own supervisors, emailing the Office of Cannabis and expressing that, you know, cannabis is critical to them and that this is, you know, an essential and it needs to be viewed as essential and thus uh, not shut down during the shelter in place. Did um, you ever ha- have any doubt that you weren't going to be successful at like when it got to, uh, you know, Tuesday afternoon? Yeah, I mean, you know, we were hearing um, there were supervisors that were in contact with us activists. And so we knew there was support on the inside. But of course, there was concern. Um, And I think, you know, if cannabis businesses had been shut down, it would be really devastating to people that need us. And but yeah, it was concerning. I mean, it, it felt to me kind of down to the wire because the announcement came out at the end of the day. And it's, you know, a lot for businesses. You know, we're trying to plan in 10 different directions at once, which is a very hard way to be. Um, You know, so you're planning if you have to shut down immediately, if you're still going to be open, a middle ground where you have to shut down temporarily. How do you purchase? How do you put things on hold? And, you know, and then also, you know, managing um, the staff. For me, I take a lot of pride in being someone who's able to have employees and provide jobs. as we've seen the surge in delivery over the past couple of weeks, we've actually been able to hire on additional drivers. We've changed our entire operational structure. And it was such a huge victory and relief that it got turned around and turned around relatively quickly. You know, again, thanks to the fact that everyone came together uh, to fight really quickly. Okay, is there any one particular patient, you know, without revealing their name, like but a situation that you could share? Um, again, because this, Mm-hmm. This podcast is for people who are not necessarily people who live in California or even an area where um, marijuana is, is legal. Um, sure. Can you give an example um, of somebody who was really concerned and, and um, who was really grateful for the change? I can. You know, that Tuesday, you know, we were still delivering, um, waiting, you know, hoping with everything and all of the energy that things were going to turn around. And that day we happened to... Uh, we had we took an order and we're delivering to one of our customers who is quadriplegic, who is so grateful that we were open and able to bring her the tinctures that she uses. People that don't understand cannabis as oh people probably have already stocked up people have what they need or if they don't have it already they can get it elsewhere. Elsewhere is the black market. Elsewhere is not safe and you can't. You know, if everyone's shut down, then everyone's cut off. And again, it comes down to access. So when you think of someone in this situation who is needing is down to their last few drops of a tincture that is critical to their day-to-day health and that we were able to go and deliver, there's a lot of other stories out there like that. And especially for people that have limitations, you know, they're not able to jump on the stocking up of things. Um for a variety of reasons. They could be, you know, limited in mobility, limited in access already, limited financially. So this access, again, it is essential. It is critical. And I'm so relieved that uh, we all came together to win this fight and get cannabis deemed as essential. And uh, you can see, you know, all the counties uh, came, for the most part, around the Bay Area all came to the same uh, message. One of the things I thought was interesting, um, and I'm not sure if you thought about this in the midst of trying to um, get the city to reverse course on this, but the impact that you had across the country. I mean, now we have 
you were saying Michigan, Massachusetts, Ohio, um, Illinois, New York, New Jersey, all following suit. Um, in some cases, right, they're, like Colorado, for example, they're classifying, you know, recreational dispensaries and medical dispensaries as essential, but in other cases, it's just medical dispensaries. But, you know, either way, there's a shift here and, and a, um, you know, a real, I mean, to me, as an outsider watching this, I mean, this seems to be a really big moment uh, in terms of normalization um, and acceptance of mm-hmm. marijuana as medicine. Did you think about that? And did you think that would come out of your efforts? Mm-hmm. I, you know, at first and foremost, I was, you know, focused on where where we are. But I think I'm seeing some of the ripple effects. You know, it's just, it continues to drive the point home of that, uh, the medicinal effects of cannabis and that this is in our lives and that people rely on it and it's here. And I think um, these, you know, little battles that were won, um, it is great to see the ripple effects elsewhere in the country. And I hope this only continues and continues to help push forward all legalization movements, all equity movements, expungement, all of these things. I think it's really all tied together. And I, I love that you referenced um, that early conversation of ours of, um, because I, I still think about it regularly of, you know, the second you enter this industry, you become an activist. And, um, you know, it's, it's hard work. You know, it's not like, you know, everyone talks about the green rush, um, really cannabis, you know, it is a grind every single day. And I'm happy to do the grind because I believe in this so much. And my life has been so uh, positively enhanced by cannabis. Um, And so I'm happy to do the work and to engage in policy. And um, I hope this continues to bring more momentum towards opening up access to all. Recreational sales in particular in California were up 159% compared to last year. There's a 100% jump in Washington State, 46% um, spike in Colorado last week. And people were also um, reportedly, you know, uh, when they were checking out, they had bigger baskets. They were making bigger purchases. And there was like even a headline in the New York Times today equating um, cannabis with toilet paper. I mean, what do you think about Number one, people stocking up in this way. Do you think that people will continue now that these businesses have been deemed essential? Do you think people continue to stock up in that way? I think you're going to continue to see sales up. I think you're going to continue to see um, delivery companies having increased volume. Um, It may not be the kind of panic buying that we saw last week, but I think people are going to be making sure that they have their essentials. to, you know, limit any worry that they might have that it's going to go away. You know, it's the news is uncertain. There is, you know, we're just surrounded by incredible uncertainty, which creates incredible anxiety. And people need to, you know, do what's going to make them feel comfortable and safe to navigate that. So I, I do think the sales are going to continue. I think you'll see some sort of leveling out, but, um, I think all of this is just opening the door even further to integrating cannabis into people's day-to-day lives because, as we know, many people use it for stress, anxiety, sleep, in addition to pain, pleasure, focus, um, and during the and creativity. You know, people are staying at home and trying to come up with new ways to engage in 
create, you know, creating art, music, interacting with their friends. All of these um, components can be enhanced by cannabis. And, you know, so I don't, I, I see this only can continue from here. You mentioned that um, you have implemented um, new safety protocols. Um, what are those? What's the customer experience like now? What kinds of social social distancing protocols have you had to put mm-hmm. in place, you know, in your warehouse or for your drivers? Our drivers all have masks. They have gloves. They wipe down. Uh, they all have spray bottles of alcohol and disinfectants so that they can constantly be wiping down um any surface that they touch, except especially their phone, but door handles, steering wheel constantly. Even with, with gloves, we want a wipe down between every point of contact. And then when we are, um, something else that we did that a lot of other companies did as well is uh, send an email or you know personal petition to the Bureau of Cannabis Control to get uh, a shift in what is required to deliver at this time. So you know, not having to have direct contact with the customer to check their ID and be able to do it through a window. Um, so things that we're, we're doing in addition to all of the sanitation is that when we arrive at someone's house, um, we put a bin down that has the package, the packet, the bin gets slid to the customer so that you can maintain distance. The customer takes the package, puts the payment back in the bin and slides it back. Um, so there's, and then that bin is again sanitized between between use. So there, there are very specific measures we have in place that we implemented immediately, and then uh, we notified um, our customers and you know anyone in our ecosystem, our investors of these protocols that we put in place immediately. It's hard to say where this will all go. You know, is it going to push federal legalization that much faster? I think that's possible, but I think we're just going to find more states continuing to open up access faster. um, And they also need to implement all of those very clear, safe protocols. And I think more than ever, it's important to be purchasing from licensed businesses that are transparent about their practices. rather than purchasing on the black market uh, where there's zero accountability and puts people at risk in a variety of ways. So I hope that some of what we're seeing with the uptick is also people continuing to come into the legal market. Well, I'm grateful for your time and I'm grateful for all the hours that you've given me over the last few years as I've tried to wrap my arms and my head around um, this whole industry. So I thank you so much and I, I wish you good health and safety as we navigate um, these next few weeks and months. And I look forward to talking to you soon after that. I can't wait for a (laughs) follow-up to hear what's next. Sounds good, me too. Thanks so much. To date, all 29 jurisdictions with an operating legal cannabis market and stay-at-home orders have deemed cannabis businesses essential.
And cannabis businesses remain open for 12.9 million adult use consumers and all 2.3 million medical cannabis patients in the U.S. This according to a global town hall on cannabis by New Frontier Data in early April. As the global pandemic continues, there are questions about whether the demand for marijuana will remain as strong as it was in the early weeks of the crisis, when, as Andrea described in our interview, people were stockpiling. But how will rising unemployment affect people's ability to buy marijuana? Will home delivery services like Sava or new curbside pickup offerings create new trends when all of this is over? Will warnings from medical experts, including the American Lung Association, about the heightened risks of COVID-19 for people who regularly smoke or vape change consumption habits? All this as the industry grapples with the potential economic fallout and the challenges of being federally illegal and therefore ineligible for federal bailout assistance. We'll continue to look at how entrepreneurs are braving this fast-moving storm in cannabis and beyond. Thanks so much for listening to The New Chardonnay. Check out heathercabot.com to find out more about me and my new book, The New Chardonnay, The Unlikely Story of How Marijuana Went Mainstream, coming this August from Penguin Random House and its currency imprint. Wishing all of you good health. Thanks for listening. I'm Heather Cabot.